Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast created for women to share their experiences with pregnancy and birth. My name is Cora Gernon and I've created this space to enable women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the detail. If you would like to support the podcast, you can do so through Patreon. I have attached the link on the website. So if you just visit the website, irelandsbirthstories.ie, you can then find the Patreon link there. In this week's episode, I chat to Nicole and she talks me through her two pregnancies and births. Nicole, on her first little girl, she had a C-section and she was lying transverse breech. Um, they did think that she, she spun around at about 34 weeks, but no, she was quite happy where she was. Um, so yeah, she was given a date and she had a really positive experience and her recovery. She considers her recovery quite quick. She said within two weeks, she felt like she was back to herself. Second time round, when she was pregnant with her second little girl, she was diagnosed with well on her discharge notes it said um help syndrome she wasn't quite symptomatic but um her bloods definitely showed that that it could have been help syndrome so she had a c-section at 36 weeks so she talks us through all of those details she was went under general anesthetic so her recovery she considers um much different to her first so i'll let her tell you all the details i hope you enjoy this week's episode and that you had a lovely christmas with your family Nicole, you're very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. If you want to just begin by giving us a little introduction to you and your family. Yeah, thanks for having me. So my name's Nicole. I'm married to Carl and we have two girls, Amber and Amelie. We lived in Chicago for a year before Amelie was born and we relocated back to Ireland and we're now in Kildare. But myself and Carl are originally from Dublin. Lovely. So let's talk about your first pregnancy. Was your first pregnancy planned? My first pregnancy wasn't planned. No, it actually came as quite a surprise. We were living together about a year and I fell pregnant and we were totally surprised, but it was a happy surprise. We were delighted. How did you feel? Um, at first I was shocked. And then I thought like I was 28 at the time. So I thought, you know, I'm with my partner where it was before we were married. And in the end, we were just delighted. Were you in Chicago when you got pregnant? No, we went to Chicago. So we had Amber in 2014, the end in December 2014. And we were in Chicago for a year in 2018 with Carl's job. Okay. And then when we moved home, we planned Amelie. So Amelie was planned and Amber wasn't. Okay. So when you had, when you got pregnant with Amber, um, tell me how that went about. So did, did you obviously run to your GP and everything checked in your scans and what care route did you go down as well? 
So it was my first pregnancy and I went to the GP just to confirm the pregnancy and I was still in quite a state of shock and I really foolishly asked the GP, was there any other reason that I might get a positive test? And of course he was like, no, you're pregnant, you're definitely pregnant. So um, then I decided to go down the route of just, just public in the Coombe Hospital and uh, had a really good experience. Um, I carried to 39 weeks and then I had to have a cesarean section because Amber was uh, breech transverse and they couldn't move. So I suffer with low platelets, so they didn't want to risk a bleed. And was she in that position throughout your entire pregnancy or just the final trimester? Yeah, she, for almost all of the pregnancy, she was breech transverse and she moved into the head down position, I think at 34 weeks and they thought, oh great, so we won't have to go down the section route. But then when I went back for another scan, she had gone back to breech transverse. So they had said because of the platelets that they weren't going to risk doing anything um, to churn her and that it would be a planned section. So did you do anything in preparation? So before you knew then that, you know, there was a C-section planned for you, basically, that's how it was going to happen. Did you do anything? Were you doing spinning babies and all that sort of stuff to try and get her down? I absolutely was. I was very active in the pregnancy. I was walking every day. I went to Pilates. I was um, using the exercise ball at home. I was trying everything and anything, looking into old wives' tales. But And then I thought at 34 weeks when she moved back, okay, this is it. Everything's paid off. But then, no, she was just more comfortable in the breech transverse position. So you said you had your section at 39 weeks. So was that a scheduled... Was that a date that was set or did you go in for a check and then it went on from there? No, we, we knew after at 34 weeks when she went back into breach transverse, they decided to go ahead and schedule the section. It was due on the 18th of December and they gave me the date of the 10th of December, which was so bizarre to have the consultant pull out a notebook and just give you a date off the top of her head. So um, then... I knew that the section was coming and I knew that she wasn't going to, well, I mean, I didn't know, but I, I had a good feeling that she wasn't going to turn back. And how did you feel about having C-section? Did you have any worries or concerns there? I think I was okay with it because I knew no different. I think if I had a natural birth, I, in the past, I would have probably been terrified at the prospect of a cesarean, but because I didn't know what labor was all about anyway, I thought, okay, everything's going to be fine. I have nothing to compare this to. And so just for those who maybe um, have their date for a cesarean section and they're, they're on the first and they're wondering what's going to happen, what? Because I've heard it's actually quite a, a nice experience when it's a planned section. Yeah. It, um, yes, yeah, so just talk us through that. So I, I was told that they couldn't give me a time for delivery, that it would just be on sometime on the 10th of December. So they told me I needed to fast from 7 p.m. the night before and to come in at 7 a.m. So I came in to the admit, I was at, into the admissions and I filled in my paperwork. We um, brought up to the ward and we were just sitting on the ward. I was on a bed and we were just chatting and in good spirits, but kind of in energy, the anticipation of the section. So we were just waiting and then they took my bloods again just to check the platelets because they had been consistently low all through the pregnancy and they had said that there was a risk that they'd have to do an emergency section but they were kind of teetering on the borderline so they were happy enough that I could just get a spinal block and be awake which I was really pleased about because yeah 
I didn't fancy the prospect of, a, of an emergency section. So we, about, about lunchtime, midday, um, a midwife came to me and said, okay, we're going to bring you up to theatre and get you prepped. And very luckily, my friend's mother works in the theatre. She ah. this week for delivery. So she was able to meet and greet us, give me a pep talk and just make sure that I'm calm and collected. So um, then Carl was sent off because I was brought in and they were prepping me with the spinal block. And then finally, when all that was set up, he was allowed back in. And it was completely surreal. It was over within 15 minutes. My baby girl was on my chest. Everything was perfect. And I'd say within an hour, I was back on the ward. It was kind of a textbook cesarean, nothing went wrong. And did you know what you were having? I did. We found out at the 20 week scan and then we confirmed it with a private scan just because I, I actually knew a person who was given the wrong gender and it was in my mind that that can happen to anyone. So I wanted the second scan confirmation. Yeah, my Sean had said that to me before. He, he said he was petrified to find out in case we were like, OK, we're having a boy. And then it was a girl <laughs> or vice <Yeah>. versa. <laughs> I actually never thought that was even possible. Yeah. And then that happened to a girl I knew so. I, I, was, I wasn't taking any risks, especially when we really wanted to find out on our first. Yeah. And how was your recovery in the hospital then? So um, I was in three days and I was eligible for the domino scheme because I lived in the same area as uh, I lived in Dublin 12 and the coma was in Dublin 8. So on the third day, the surgeon came up and she looked at my um, wound and said she was really happy with it. And that once the pediatrician cleared the baby, we were good to go. So that everything was fine. She hadn't lost uh, the volume of weight that she wouldn't have been allowed out with. So um, we were signed out then that for the next day. So I went home on day four post-op. And I found really, I, I was back to myself within, I'd say, about two weeks. Um, that was the first section. That wasn't to be the case on the second one. Yeah. And did, were you um, given painkillers and everything? Did you have to manage the pain? Yeah, yeah I was I was given um, a prescription for diphene and to take paracetamol in between. But I actually don't think I finished the course of the pain meds. Sorry. Because <clears throat> um, I felt normal again. So. so you, how did you decide to feed? Did you bottle feed or did you breastfeed? So I had started with breastfeeding and because I was had a section, they said it, the milk would be slow to come in. And I was mm. so nervous that she wasn't getting enough of what she needed that I combination fed. And then she got really lazy. And I would say a combination fed for about three months, but I, I was never confident that the supply was up when she was getting the full amount. So I, I would say the section did interrupt the breastfeeding process, definitely. Okay. So then you just went to bottle then, did you? I went you? purely on bottle bottle feeding then after because it, it just wasn't, I wasn't confident that she was yeah. getting enough. It can be a stress when you're constantly trying to, to suss out whether they're getting enough as well. That's, that's it. So I was doing like drinking fen- fennel tea and taking the tablets, but I still, when I'd pump, I didn't feel like I was getting the full supply. Will we move on to your second pregnancy? So, um, yeah, so the second pregnancy was planned and very luckily fell pregnant very quickly. 
everything was going smoothly, I decided I'd go into with semi-private care this time around. So went through the coom again and decided to go with the consultant led again because I suffer with low platelets and they never return to normal after my first pregnancy. So I wanted to keep on top of that and just make sure that I was getting that care in the clinics. So what is, how does low platelets, um, for those of us, including me who don't know, how does that affect your pregnancy or can it? So the main way it could affect the pregnancy is that you could hemorrhage and you could bleed out if they dropped to a level. So the normal range starts from 150,000 and mine like even outside pregnancy would never really go above 132, 135. So they're kind of just borderline below average. So they're not a major risk, but pregnancy lowers them even further. So it's kind of something, it doesn't really affect me until the third trimester, but on both pregnancies, they plummeted way down, talking like 75, 65,000. So yeah, on so I decided to go consultant-led just because I wanted to ensure that, that was being kept on top of and, and everything was going smoothly. I had a really good pregnancy again. I'm, I was very lucky that I haven't been majorly sick in either pregnancy. I haven't had morning sickness. I've been full of energy, kind of feeling just like myself, but maybe a little bit slower. So everything going fine, going smoothly, and then right up until 36 weeks, and I was in a routine checkup and I decided to ask if I could get my plate, my blood, like a full blood count just to check the platelets because it was in third trimester on the first pregnancy where they plummeted. And I wanted to make sure we were on top of it for the second pregnancy and did the bloods, went off about my business, got a phone call about 8 p.m. that night from one of the doctors on the team. And he said that they wanted me to come in, that the platelets had plummeted, but also that my liver enzymes were raised and they'd never seen that in my blood work before. So they wanted to do some investigation. So they said I should pack an overnight bag that I would most likely be kept in. They wanted you in immediately? Yeah, they said I should come oh, okay. immediately. Um, and at that point, I didn't really know. I didn't suspect that there might be any underlying Ill- illness. I just decided pack a bag, go in and they're just going to do routine bloods. But I had a feeling that at 36 weeks, I'd probably be in for the rest of the pregnancy. Mm. I don't know. I just had a bad feeling that with the urgency at which they wanted me to come in, that it wasn't going to be smooth sailing for the last few weeks. So I went in, was brought up to the emergency room and they did a trace of the baby. Everything was perfect, but they took bloods again. And they told me that the blood work was still pretty bad, pretty off, and the liver enzymes were going up and the platelets were gone even lower again. So they said they were going to put me on a ward and that I would be in for a couple of days while they monitored the situation. And then the next morning, my consultant came down to the bed and said that they were probably going to induce me or do a section depending on the blood work that day. I was to get more blood work. So they took that blood work and came back again and said, yeah, definitely going to um, get the baby out that they suspected health syndrome. And at that point, I'd never heard of help syndrome. I didn't know anything about it. What, how they described it to me was like severe preeclampsia. And of course, it's the middle of um, the, the lockdown restrictions and I'm having no visitors and I'm not um seeing anybody so I'm lying in the bed and of course I go to Google and 
on Google and help syndrome and seeing all these worst case scenarios of people having strokes or um, hemorrhaging. And I'm thinking, oh, this is not good. This is not good at all. But luckily they came back and they said that they didn't think that anything bad was going to happen, but just that they wanted to do an emergency section. And the reason it would be an emergency section would be I'd be knocked out for the duration of the section because um, there's a risk of hemorrhage and also it would be too traumatic for me to be lucid during that process. So I I wasn't really keen on the idea of an emergency section because I knew that it meant I was going to miss the first few hours of my baby's life. But I obviously trusted the medical professionals, decided that I'd sign the paperwork to go ahead and do it. And then um, two other consultants from different teams came in to see me because I think Mm. that they weren't 100% sure that it was help because I wasn't exhibiting the the classic symptoms of it. I didn't have the destruction of the red blood cells, which is the main indicator of it. And I was full of energy, which they were really perplexed by. They were like, usually people are suffering, vomiting, headaches, and I didn't have any of that. So they weren't 100% sure it was help, but the platelets and the liver enzymes were kind of leading them in that direction. So different consultants from different teams were popping by talking to me, getting building a history of the platelets. And um, then the anesthesiologist came down to talk to me about the emergency section just to make sure that I was comfortable with the decision, because I think it was clear talking to the midwives on the ward and the consultants that I wasn't 100 percent with it. So I did really appreciate all the reassurance. I had various different people from different teams reassuring me that even in the worst case scenario, it was highly unlikely that it would be anything too serious. So then they, I was left another day because I think they were still debating what would happen. And then they came down and they said that they were going to deliver the baby by emergency section the following morning. So I'm now in the hospital three nights and haven't seen my husband or my daughter or any family or friends. So I'm pretty wound up, pretty anxi- pretty anxious and um, just not really knowing what's going to happen. So the day arrived where um, I'd have the section and I was definitely a bag of nerves. I had exhausted Google looking at all different stories and scenarios and I'm quite a hypochondriac and anxious person anyone who knows me will say I'd be uh, jumping to the worst conclusions if I have any health issues so I was just trying to remain positive but I think had it been normal times and I had visitors and I probably would have been a bit calmer having people talking sense into me in person rather than over the phone so um, then I'd say about two o'clock in the day they told me that my husband was, was able to come in and he could we, he could come up to theatre with me and they prepped me for theatre. And I was so nervous because I just had it in my head, this awful fear that either some myself or the baby wouldn't make it true. What would, I, it's a strange thing to say because obviously you have no control over the section either way, but I felt like with an emergency section that you really are losing control because you're totally knocked out for the whole procedure. So um, they brought me into theatre, the the same anesthesiologist who came down to my bed was there and he was really calming, had a very calming effect on me. He was telling me to count down to 10 and he said, then he said, the next thing you know, you'll be awake and you'll have your baby. And that's how it was. 
so I, re I remember coming through the um, anesthetic and feeling really, really groggy, but obviously um, it was hours and hours, but it felt like five minutes to me. And my husband was waiting on the other side. We had our beautiful baby girl on my chest. She was uh, weighed five pounds 13. So even though she was four weeks early, she was big enough. I was yeah. happy with the weight. And um, it felt like my husband was only there for five minutes before I went back to the ward. But that was obviously the medication because. Um, a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I had I had then learned I had a hemorrhage in recovery and I was a, a couple of hours before he got the baby back before he saw me. Okay. So he was in the waiting room with the baby, feeding the baby, and I was in recovery. So how when you came to, how did you feel? Obviously you were just looking for the baby straight away or did you know, what did it take? The baby was on my chest when I woke up. So I, the first thing I thought was to look at her and once I knew everything was okay with her, I felt really thirsty and I kept asking when can I drink something can I drink some water and they were like no no you can't have anything just yet and then um my husband was kind of smirking at me and I was like what's going on and he was like oh you said to the anesthesiologist when you uh woke up thanks for not oh, killing god me. I, was like, <laughs> I was like obviously the medication had an adverse effect on me saying crazy things you must have been so stressed so that's obviously a sign of how stressed you were that, yeah I think it's symptomatic of yeah. how anxious I was I'd be quite a high energy nervous person anyway so that really did prove to me how nervous I was 
but I, so I did I the pain didn't register with me at that point because I was on so much medication I was just so relieved that I was okay and the baby was okay and that it was all over really so I remember going back to the ward my husband was gone and then I started to feel the pain I was really groggy and the midwives thankfully took the baby and looked after all her feeding and then the next day I remember um the healthcare assistants trying to help me up to get me out to the shower but I just felt like my legs were not working at all and then I of course I was comparing it to my first section where I felt I bounced mm -hmm. right out of the bed and was ready to go and that just wasn't the case this time and then I would put that down to um the the emergency section having stronger medication and just not feeling ready so I think emotionally and physically, the emergency section was a lot harder on me than the plan section. And also hemorrhaging. I'm sure you were exhausted from that. Have, had you hemorrhaged before? It, it, yeah. Obviously, you can no. No, I hadn't on the first one. And I didn't even realize that I had hemorrhaged on the second one until I was looking at my notes the next day when I came back. It had said that I hemorrhaged in recovery. And my husband then told me, he said, oh, you... I got the baby back but you were kept in recovery and I didn't really know what was happening to you but they had said that you were fine and that you would be fine so he just had to wait it out until I came back and then of course I was in no fit state to have any sort of intelligent conversation with him so it was really just checking that the baby was okay and then it, it was all just a haze really with the medication. So how did you feel when you started to or when did you start to feel a little bit back to yourself and how long were you in hospital for? Um, I was in hospital for three more days after I had the baby and I found it so tough because I had no visitors at all. I really struggled to get out of the bed and get going. Um, she was a terrible feeder. She just, I think it was because she was premature. The midwife had said her stomach valve was probably a little bit immature. She didn't take to feeding. My milk didn't come in. She'd vomit back up every every bottle I gave her so that part was pretty tough and then I'd say two or three days in she had destroyed every outfit I had given her and I had to do a washing exchange with my husband and of course he couldn't come up so I had to go down to the gate with my bags of washing uh three days post-op was it oh Nicole watching the walls going down to the car park it was a pretty surreal experience and then day four, I had said to them, you know, I live five minutes down the road. I really want to get going. And they were pushing me, well, not pushing, encouraging me to stay another night. But I knew that I was getting situational anxiety from not having visitors, the baby not feeding, just beating myself up a bit for not being as quick to recover as on the first time. So I was strongly pushing to go home. And in the end, everything was fine with the baby and they were happy enough to let me go. So, and I would say within two days of being home, I felt really good again. And it, I think that I'm very much someone who suffers with situational anxiety in that if I'm not happy with the scenario, I'm not going to, the fog won't lift for me to see that everything's fine. But as soon as I was home, I was just so happy to be back in my own space, to see my daughter again my husband and then we still had no visitors because of the lockdown restrictions so we we're just in our nice little family bubble at home and occasional friends dropping presents at the door or coming to the window to see the baby so it was pretty nice to have the baby all to myself but also 
realizing how many good people we have around that really cared to help me out in the situation so it was that part was a pretty nice time plus it was the start the end of May the start of the summer it was lovely weather it was just a very nice time and how was her feeding then when you got home did her stomach settle so her stomach did settle we got a public health nurse out and she was great she just gave me loads of tips with the to get her to latch like that I was combination feeding because I was totally paranoid that she wasn't gaining all the weight she needed she had lost 10% body weight in the in the coom so they were kind of they were saying you know that's not ideal and we definitely have you link in with the public health nurse to keep on top of that so she had said to me I'll get you to come down to the health center every day and we'll weigh her every day and we'll get her weight up and we did she she smashed all the expectations there she had put on they had said she should put on between seven and eight hundred oh no sorry five and seven hundred grams per day and she was putting on 800 a day and I'd really attribute that to me being at home and me being more relaxed and just in my own environment so we were so happy to see the weight flying up then and now like she's six months old now and she's enormous <laughs> so it's great and how did how long do you think it took you to recover this time around then I would say it took me a really long time uh, probably two or three months where as opposed to two weeks on the first one so this time around I felt like the scar was sore for longer the dressing was on longer um I felt that the pain would return in the scar I felt that it was hard to ascend the stairs which I I didn't find that the first time it took me longer to have baths and go back walking and exercising. It was just a much longer process. And I, I don't know if I'd put that down to me being five years older than the previous pregnancy or just the mental effects of having emergency mm. section over an elective section. So how do you feel now? How do you, do you feel like you... Did they give you any debriefing or anything like that? Did you no, feel like you needed they, to talk it out? Or? They had given me a pamphlet about uh, the birth reflections that they now offer. Go in, meet a midwife, take out your file and go through all the details of your pregnancies or uh, your, your current pregnancy, your latest pregnancy and talk about everything that happened, the, the lead up to the birth, how you felt about it, if you had any issues with the medical care you received and just reflect over the experience. And... I mean, maybe down the line, it is something I'd want to do, but I think I don't really want to delve into it at the moment. Just uh, we were t- before we started recording, we were kind of talking about um, having babies during the pandemic. So how it's been. So how have you, if you just want to give us talk to us a little bit about how you've managed, because you obviously were pregnant during the start of COVID and you had your baby. So how do you think you've managed or how's it been for you? Yeah, it it was difficult enough, I would say, because I was working full time and then the pandemic hit and we went into lockdown. So I was working from home full time, pregnant, homeschooling a five year old and um, then like um, sharing childcare with my husband. So we'd work calls at different times and that that was quite a challenge, I'd say. Um, But in terms of visits, we were lucky that the restrictions only came in in March and we had our big anomaly scan in February so my husband got to be present at that I didn't really um suffer the side effects of my husband not being present at at, um the 
various appointments because we were over all the big milestones by the time the restrictions hit. So um, the only, the, the main barrier or the main issue I felt with, with the lockdown was the being in hospital before the baby was born and not really having anyone to calm me down when I didn't really know what was going on. And then not having any visitors at all when I had the baby, because I think it would have been really helpful. And it, it, it just might have snapped me out of the little fog I was in in the first few days after I gave birth, because I think I had too much time to sit around and mull over what had happened and feel sorry for myself, basically. So like, so you would have obviously preferred to have visitors in the hospital, but not necessarily yeah. at home. So at home, you think oh, you were... Not, no, not necessarily at home. I definitely enjoyed being in our little bubble yeah. at home. It's very nice to have my um, eldest daughter get acclimatized to having a sibling and just get their bond established. And also because my husband only saw the baby for like an hour after she was born and then he didn't see her again for six days, they had to build up their bond and... I was really like happy to be home and have the baby all to myself just so we could sort the feeding, the bonding. And I was a little bit paranoid that of exposing her to people because of we're, we're all have a heightened awareness of germs now. So I was paranoid that someone would make her sick and then especially with her being premature and with her um, having a weakened system and then also I had a weakened immune system with the health syndrome so I didn't re- I say I was more than happy to be in our little bubble. So with the health syndrome once baby's born does your body just go back to itself or how does, so how does that they recommend blood tests for two weeks um, one blood test per week after the health syndrome just to check that everything's going back to normal So in my first blood test, my platelets were still low and the liver enzymes were still raised. And then the second blood test, two weeks postpartum, the um, liver enzymes were still slightly raised, but not concerning. And the platelets were still low. But I think because my platelets are always low, my GP wasn't really worried. But I think the part that I struggled with was the coom would um when they gave me the results and they were saying you know um they're not perfect but they're fine we're happy enough to leave it at that and I'm very much someone who I'd have so much anxiety around everything I really would have liked more information on the actual illness because I still don't really feel like I know a whole lot about it it was kind of like I know there's a lot of people that would be happy enough to say okay I'm fine now I'm not going to worry about that but I'm I was still thinking, you know, what if I have another baby? Am I going to have it again? Is it going to be worse? Or am I going to have um, side effects of this down the line? Because I did a bit of research and I saw that it can lead to hypertension in later years and strokes. And But very much the, the medical advice is, um, okay, you're fine now. We'll, we'll cross it if you, in any subsequent pregnancies, we'll look at it again. So I wonder what triggered you that day to ask for your full bloods. Yeah, it's so even now, I don't I don't know why. I think it was because I'm quite a worrier and I hadn't had bloods in a while. It it had gone a while, but I don't know why that that day of all days, because what I read is undiagnosed. If you you go term undiagnosed, it can lead to maternal and fetal death. It can lead to strokes. It can lead to hemorrhages, all sorts of um, horrible things can happen. So it, it is strange that I pushed for the bloods that day when they didn't think it was necessary because they the 
obviously not everybody needs to get bloods every visit. And so I wonder if you had left it even a couple of days, would you have started to be symptomatic or would have just because it seemed like you, you didn't have any symptoms at all, really, apart well, from the bloods, which you wouldn't really notice. The so. big anomaly was for the doctors was that I was so full of energy. They were really perplexed that I wasn't feeling any side effects. I mean, I was walking, I was driving, I was playing with my daughter. I was still working. I hadn't even started my maternity leave yet. So it really, I didn't feel extra tired. I didn't have any headaches or nausea. For me, there was no, there was no symptoms. It was just that I wanted to get a blood count to know when I was in the third trimester and that's the time the platelets can go low. That's really the only thing, the only flag I had was that I wanted to know what my platelets were at. And is there any indication that HELP syndrome is tied in with the yeah so the, um what it, what help stands for is hemolysis which is the destruction of the red blood cells and then liver enzymes which would be or sorry elevated liver enzymes and then low platelets is the lp part of help so okay platelets would would be very much a symptom of it but because on my first pregnancy i only had the low platelets i didn't have any issues with liver enzymes so I definitely didn't have it on my first pregnancy it's it was something that just developed in the second pregnancy okay gosh wow I hadn't heard of it until Siobhan said it and then remember you contacted me the very same day that interviewed her yeah it was so funny that you had said that you had just interviewed somebody that suffered an eye yeah that episode and it seemed that that lady suffered a lot more of the classic symptoms of it I get my blood on my platelets I get a full blood count every six months to check the platelets anyway and they've never been normal but my GP has said you know that's just normal for you it's only borderline abnormal so he said we're not worried about it there's no need to see a hematologist but then on the morning that I had Amber in my first pregnancy they were 75,000 which is pretty low and then the day I had Emily they were like 65,000 so my GP had said that where you suffer extreme life-threatening bleeding wouldn't be until it went down to like 20,000 and lower. And did you have a blood transfusion? No, no I did. They had stu- they had blood ready in case they needed one, but they said that they didn't need to use anything. And that's one of the other reasons why they wanted me to have the emergency section where I'd be knocked out so that I didn't see any of that side of it because they said that that can delay things and cause panic where they don't need to if, if, if it's not necessary to have somebody witness that then they're not going to put them through it especially I suppose if your nature which would be similar to me is anxious because I would I would if anything like that yeah. would just send me send me off completely and I wouldn't be able to handle it <gasps> yeah I, I think it was some somewhat grounded thinking that maybe I didn't have help syndrome at all because I had always had low platelets but then they said with the liver enzymes then it definitely was okay and then when my sign out sheet it, it had help syndrome written on it so and then with the blood tests after it and they still were were abnormal I, I would say I definitely did have it and was there a follow-up then after your discharge were you did you have to go back in to the consultants yeah just to give bloods I so I gave blood one week postpartum and then again two weeks postpartum and then my GP checked again three months postpartum so they're kind the liver the liver enzymes have returned completely to normal but the platelets are still low so it's it's as we expected so it's they're pretty much happy enough to leave it at that okay brilliant god i, I just yeah. keep thinking of i don't know what sent you into 
or what um, urged you to ask that question to get your blood done? Thank God. Yeah, you it's, it's so um, everyone in that that I've discussed it with has said that's so lucky that you mentioned that because like I can't imagine a scenario where I would just go into labour naturally and then things took a dark turn. And very often we stop ourselves from asking asking for those things, you know, because we yeah. we don't want to put pressure on anyone. Or, we don't want to go there. No. Yeah. So I, I think my GP had said to me, you know, you, you need to strong, strongly think about whether or not it would be worth having any more pregnancies. Like, are you happy with your family, the size it is? And I think for me, I don't really want to go down that road again. Whereas I had two really good pregnancies. I've got two healthy, happy babies and it's not really worth risking anyone's life in the in the process to expand our family again. So if you were, so if you decided that you did want another baby would you be at a higher risk obviously of having the yeah it's it's not a given that you would have it again they said but it's it's highly likely and they said given the platelet situation it probably would increase my risk significantly so I don't think it's a risk that will be worth taking thank you it's so informative it's hard to get everything out and think about the key points and what you want to get across about it. But I think I, I really wanted to tell the story in case other women come across that because I don't think there's a whole lot known about it. Like they tag it on in the hospital, they just tag it on to preeclampsia, but I think it's a lot deeper than preeclampsia. Yeah, because anything, because I've looked um, at a few bits about it and it just says it's just another variation of preeclampsia. But even preeclampsia yeah. itself is something that we need to talk more about. Exactly. I don't, I don't think there's enough known about it. And I've had two friends that have had preeclampsia. So it is more common than you think. People just don't tend to get into their birth stories a lot. So it's really good that there's a podcast for hopefully it doesn't scare any expectant mothers, but it's, it's definitely good. And I think postpartum, it's good to hear other people's stories. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to share your story, you're more than welcome to. You can get in touch via Instagram at Ireland's Birth Stories or you can reach out over the website, irelandsbirthstories.ie. I look forward to bringing you another episode. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 